Welcome to Season 2 of Spark Reunited, a series of shows celebrating 25 years of broadcasting on this student community radio station. Whether it was Utopia or Spark, the people featured on the station have made it into what it is today. And as today's Sparkies, we are forever grateful for them imparting their knowledge onto us, and we decided to pay it forward by sharing it with you. After such a successful Season 1, where we heard the likes of Emma Millen, Chris Stevens, and Rob Dowell, and this season, we'll be speaking to more ex-Sparkies and Utopians like current Capitol executive producer Callum Hyder and BBC West Midlands producer Adam Pender-Smith, along with loads of other guests who will share their radio insights and experiences with you. In this episode, our guest is customer success manager at Radio.co, Phil Dean. Hope you enjoy. Hi, my name's Don Brown, and you're listening to a special edition of Spark Content, and I'm here with the one and only Phil Dean. Hello there, Phil. Hey, Dom. How you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. And Phil, thank you so much for getting involved with Spark Reunited. It's a really special thing to be able to bring everybody back together for Spark, and I'm really uh, thankful to have you on. Could you just tell the people listening how you were involved with Spark when you were uh, at the university yourself? Yeah, so I was at the at the university um, 2008 to to, to uh, 2011. So I was very much there for for the launch of Spark. In fact, did a little bit of presenting on Utopia FM, obviously before before the rebrand and. Um, you know, you might as well say I was, I, was, I was one of the first talents of the of the station, if you want to get all pretty like that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, very much just uh, radio had always been a huge interest of mine from, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have, you know, recorded things on their own little radios and pretended to do links and things. So the opportunity to, to get involved with an actual radio station, I can get my, my little mitts on and stuff was, was awesome. And so I kind of jumped headfirst into Spark, I did... Um, um, kind of, kind of all over the place. Really, I was uh, as sort a of weekday breakfast host, weekend breakfast host. Um, I did uh, the takedown, sort of the sort of the rock and roll metal show. I did Spark Gold, which was an '80s show. Um, we did a lot of sort of talk-based um, sort of health uh, shows as well. So, th- thankfully, I wasn't on air doing all those shows at the exact same time. That would have been a bit too uh, too much of me. Um, but yeah, during the, you know, the, the two years that I was involved with it, it was just any opportunity. I was just jumping in it to, yeah, just get involved and, and love it so much. And um, yeah, and then obviously I yeah, graduated 2011 and was, was sad to see the, the spark side of things kind of fall fall away. So it's, it's been something that I've, it's, you know, getting involved with this is a great way just to reminisce in it a little. You very much sound like a master of all trades to do with Sparkling, Phil. You've got so much <laughs> so much under your belt from what you, your time at Spark. I just wanted to ask what specific skills you think you, uh, you gained from Spark and how that uh, helped you going forward in terms of working. Um, I mean, I've I've always been quite good at um, at, at talking and presenting. Uh, I've worked it as a as a children's entertainer for many years, and uh, I was always involved in in drama and, and performing and things like that. So, how, being able to do it in somewhat of a more professional capacity kind of just allowed me to get better at talking in general. Like it's um, you know from from I say presenting perspective, it allowed me just to concentrate more on the words I was saying and how I was delivering them and emphasize things that should and shouldn't and things like that. So it kind of just allowed me just to get better at talking and uh, and, and also listening. I know it's, it's a bit of a weird thing to say with radio because you are just often talking to the void, but it was just being able to 
um, kind of imagine how people are going to be interacting and listening to your your radio show, your voice, your music, your conversation. Um, and that's kind of led into what I do now, which is still revolved around radio, albeit a slightly alternative uh, direction. Um, but yeah, you know, that focuses around me talking a lot specifically about radio. So yeah, I'd say the biggest impact has been it's just allowed me to refine what was just a hobby of mine which was just talking till the cows came home but sort of yeah just refine it and smooth it out into a much much more presentable uh, style so phil we speak about then uh, the jobs you've had in the past Let, let's look mm-hmm. at the present then so what what was the the jobs that you've got now and how did spark help you in terms of getting a job yeah so kind of after graduating so uh you know i, I graduated with a uh, a gold SRA award for a documentary I produced called The Zombie and You. Um, and in fact, it was, it was the first sort of student radio award that the university had. So it was, it was uh, I feel like I was the catalyst for the onslaught of award-winning content that the university's gone to produce since. Um, but yeah, so I won an SRA award. The following year, I won a New York World Radio Award for the same piece. And I kind of thought, hey, you know, you know, with these on my CV, that's it. I've got a job in the bag. You know, you know, Media City's moving to Salford. No one in London wants to move to Manchester. It's going to be bags of jobs. And hey, you know what? I don't need to don't need to try very hard because with that on my CV, everyone's going to you know come to me. And truth be told, you know, that didn't happen. I got a bit arrogant, a bit lazy, and it took me till 2016 to actually land a proper job within radio doing something that I I wanted to do so it was a a very much in hindsight a very good sort of learning curve of how I should have acted and um, you know my presence at the student radio conference sort of this year was was kind of all about that you know just getting people to be a bit more prepared Uh, but that position 2016 I was a radio producer for um, for a station called XS Manchester or when I joined it was Real Radio XS and um, yeah it was very much a dream job I'd, I'd always I loved presenting, but I also loved being the mind behind some of the games and um, coaching the presenters in, you know, in how we should be presenting certain parts and, and how we should be talking and formatting the shows. So being a, pres- uh, a producer, despite it being a, an incredibly vague position, um, yeah, it was a dream. And the, the station I used to listen to every single day. And um, yeah, and I worked for a um, a record label, just doing a lot of um, searching for commission for, for artists and uh, getting original works done. Um, and then I found myself in my current position now, which is a company called Radio.co. And we are, first and foremost, a software company that provides everyone with all the tools, um, software and support to launch their own internet radio station. It just allows me to talk passionately about radio to people all over the world, really just showing them the how awesome, wonderful, beautiful, how, how engaging and inclusive radio is and showing you that, you know, you don't need a, you know, a million pound studio. You don't need experience. You just need that passion and that slight idea to get into radio. Sounds like a great job to me, Phil. I'd be really interested to know what your advice would be for somebody who would be going through something similar to you, maybe if they're listening to this at the moment or if they maybe would be going through it in the future to if they were going to struggle in the future, maybe some like what would be the one bit of advice maybe you picked up along the way that kind of kept you going in those moments where you're like, oh, do I just give up on radio? Do I go mm. work for Gulliver's like you did before or, <laughs> or, or just something else? What would be that one big piece of advice that you would give to somebody? 
Yeah, well, it depends. That, that calls back to, like I said, you know, the reason we're at the student radio conference is, is I was hosting a talk called, uh, uh, the very interestingly titled, Why Do You Hate Radio Bro? It was called. So obviously we got a lot of lot of interesting people coming to find out, you know, what the heck that was about. Um, but it was kind of about that. It was, it was about home truths, the fact that there are certain things when you're in university or even, you know, just freelancing and jobs that you pick up, you know, if you didn't go to university. Um, things that you kind of are not always prepared for you know i had an idea of what a dream job was going to be like and you know i got a job at the dream radio station i wanted to but it wasn't the dream position i was uh, i guess a bit naive coming into the industry especially having uh, you know been what on a, a somewhat sort of radio hiatus for a few years before landing that job um so the one, one major sort of bit of um assistance that we, you know and and uh, that, that we that we gave uh, during this talk was just to was really just to manage your expectations no we, we spoke to Andy Plum from from Radio One during the conference and he had a great quote that we instantly used and put it on a slide for our presentation which was um you know not all dream jobs are dream jobs um I don't think that's the exact quote. It's it's been a while since I looked at that uh, slide, but it was more or less like that. It was all about that, you know, you've got an idea of what your dream job is going to be, but you have to be aware that that's not always going to be the case. I was a producer. I had a idea of what a producer might be from working at Spark, but that position is totally different in the real world. Um, and I felt like I just, not necessarily, you know, this isn't, you know, anything that the university staff or, or people at Spark needed to make sure I was aware of but it, it, I learned very quickly I kind of it was a baptism by fire when I got that position um, so I feel like you know you've just got to understand what your expectations are and what what warrants success for you like you know I feel I had a successful career in radio because I managed to bag a job that you know as you say in, in an overcrowded market and um, I was able to finally get that I worked really hard at that job fair enough I didn't last um, you know, more than a year, which, you know, I would have liked to have been there, you know, for, for a lifetime, you know, it's what I've spent my university degree fees on. But I graduated from uni and I got there, you know, took a little longer than I wanted, you know, didn't have the best experience ever in that particular job, but it's made me who I am today. And that's not, it's not diminished my passion for radio. Um, you know, that still is there. In fact, it's, it, I'm probably more passionate about radio now because I've been there, done that. Um, not quite got the t-shirt, but I've got the software to back it up, you know, in, in, in you know, hopes of, of getting people on board and doing it. So I'd say main piece of advice is, yes, yeah, just, just manage your expectations, be realistic about what it is that you're looking to do and don't burn yourself out in the, uh, in the industry. I think you've summed up a lot of people's feelings there really well. Phil, thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you, Phil, but I've just got one last question that I want to yeah. ask. And Again, if you go for more than one example, that's absolutely completely fine. But I'd just like to know one example of yeah. the best memory that you have from Spark. Oh, well, no surprise. There is there is a, a lot. Um, I think really just me and my uh, sort of co-presenter at the time, Jack Critchley, were often very much a double act. People wouldn't, um, they wouldn't just say, you know, they'd come to me and say, where's Jack? Or they'd go to Jack and say, where's Phil? Very much kind of just joined at the hip in the studio. And I think just us allowing, or rather the university and, and the team kind of allowing us just to go mad with our ideas. You know, we would come up with the name of a feature before we work out what it is, just because the name of that we came up with was really funny. Um, you know, we did 
features like Knockador Nun, which I think went really, really well. Um, we did other things like do a feature called Dog Corner. I don't don't ask. Um, but yeah, we did, I think it was just the the biggest memory is really just uh, the fact that we were just we were just allowed just to have fun and experiment and just do what we wanted to within reason, of course. But yeah, it's it's not so much a specific moment. I think it's just the entire journey we had at Spark was just allowing us just to go, yeah, just you know, throw a lot of things at, at the studio wall, see what sticks, and even if it doesn't, hey, if it makes good, engaging, fun radio, and it and we learn something on the way, then yeah, what's uh, what's wrong with that? For more episodes from former members of Sparking Utopia, keep listening to Spark Reunited, sparking your interest in media.